0: is up friends and family it's time for another episode of hype is my superpower you know i started out the, uh my our first episode saying friends and family and then i realized it was mostly friends and family but now that we have good people of the internet joining us on these episodes <laughs> i feel like i want to start bringing them in calling them friends and family so i agree what is up friends and family my name is steve Storman. and i'm one of your hosts joining me as always My good buddy, Will Freeland in sunny Santa Barbara, California. Will, how's it going, man?
1: Uh, It's going pretty good. Uh, I just got my second vaccine shot, COVID vaccine. Congratulations. Um, Yeah. Thank you. I just
0: uh, uh, took Rachel to get her first shot. And then my first shot I'm getting just as soon as we get off this call.
1: Yeah. So that's that's very exciting. Glad that you're uh, able to get it. First shot wasn't so bad. I just had a sore arm. Second shot definitely plan on taking the second day off bt dubs fyi <laughs> the night of and the next day are pretty rough
0: okay good to know so uh, uh we've got a full show here today uh will you've got a piece of news uh first off that uh you were on another podcast
1: Yeah, cheating on me dude no our name is spreading that's 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 <laughs> what we're gonna how we're gonna take that away um <laughs> all right
0: Tell me um, about yeah. it. What what, uh, what were you on and what did you talk about?
1: I was on a uh, podcast called Superhero Ethics. Uh, They've got like 130 episodes out. Mm. And um, well, they have their weekly episode, normal weekly episodes. Then they also started doing uh, weekly episodes, uh, reviewing each episode of the Netflix uh, MCU shows. Oh, nice. And Falcon and Lunar Soldiers going out the first two episodes. Uh, Without giving much of anything away, there's a lot of topics or issues or scenes involving um, race and some of the uh, subtle and or overt racism that minorities have to face. in america and so when they were reviewing the second episode they had mentioned wanting to bring on an african-american podcast creator to one share their show but also kind of get their take on growing up as a minority me being half black half japanese i threw my name in the pot and they checked out some of our episodes really liked what we had what we've been talking about um which was amazingly topical because half of our episodes we talk about something related to civil rights or captain america and (laughs) all this stuff so it was just perfect right so um they invited me on i did a review with them of the third episode unfortunately there's not a whole lot of race talked about in the third episode but i was able to just kind of jib jab with them and Uh, It was a good time. They're much more uh, structured than you and I are. It's kind of fun (laughs) to see someone that has been doing it for, you know, two years now, (laughs) Uh, but that was, no, that was a lot of fun. I had a good time and uh, definitely like, you know, definitely have some professional friendships with them. So uh, I think we can have them on sometime and we can, and uh, we may do some, I think we could do some episodes uh, back and forth on both of our channels going forward.
0: Yeah, that's super exciting. Uh, yeah. And uh, just so everybody knows, this this isn't a case of me being a bad friend uh, for not having listened to this yet. You literally didn't tell me that you'd finished recording this, <laughs> Okay, <laughs> that you'd done this interview until we started.
1: <laughs> no, so I, I, totally well, I, did, here. I recorded the episode in the middle of the second day of my second shot. So I was asleep all day with the exception (laughs) of taking, of doing this video. I didn't want to cancel on them. Yeah. So we shot it. I went back to bed and then (laughs) yesterday was Saturday and I was DD for a group going wine tasting. And as soon as I got home, I had to change to go to work at my, at the restaurant. So I literally haven't sat down for more than 30 minutes awake. (laughs) <laughs> Since I did this episode. <laughs> well I'm glad I found a window for you that <laughs> we can do this pod. Man. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And
0: uh yeah, send send that link out. Well, to me, obviously, but also Absolutely. you know, send it out to our listeners. I'll put it in the show notes for this episode and uh share it on Facebook and and we'll make sure that uh that, that gets shared far and wide. Yeah, man. So next on our agenda, let's uh, you know pretend to be well structured, a well oiled podcast machine, as you've been learning from.
1: <laughs> from Let superhero can episodes. hold, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
0: next up, uh, you you said last episode that you had a little expansion of your answer from Devin's question a couple weeks ago about which Marvel characters you would most like to write. And what stories you'd tell with them. Yes. And uh, I wanted to give you the floor to uh, to keep going on that.
1: Yeah. So as a devout Spider-Man fan, I knew I wouldn't be able to tell a whole story, a whole five issue arc and do myself justice. However, <laughs> comma, comma. Um, having read as much as I have, but also just like things like Friendly Neighborhood Spider-Man where they do a four-issue arc and then one issue kind of side story and then another Mm -hmm. four-issue arc um yeah i could totally do a a single issue and i think (laughs) i would do an issue of spider-man if that wasn't clear but then um i have two frames of references that inspired this for me one is Uh, and I mentioned this last week Wolverine had a birthday and he called Spider-Man out to the bar he never actually told him why he wanted Spider-Man to meet him at the bar they went to the bar yeah uh Spider-Man is like nervous and just talking and they're (laughs) just like having a beer together it's whatever um bar fight you know breaks out because because comics um of course and then at the end of it they leave the bar and uh Logan just says today was my birthday thanks And, like, that was it. You're just like, oh, my gosh. Right? And then there's this other, like, only, like, a three-page side story of Spider-Man. He saved somebody's life. uh, saved a pregnant woman's life. And Mm. she asks his name he's right like, mm-hmm. he's, he's like a spider-man he's like no what's your real name i really want to name your name my baby after you uh-huh. um and he just says my name is ben yeah um and uh Be- uncle ben for those you know whatever. right so <laughs> and then the next page or was
0: it ben <laughs> riley oh. a- <laughs> um, <laughs> the clone saga never ended
1: <laughs> the uh the next page is like six cells of different families calling out to their son and saying ben Mm. And it's just like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So, like, this just, like, random, small, this impact that a superhero has on a civilian. That's amazing. Right? Yeah. So, taking that and then taking our conversation about nobody ever looks up. (laughs) So, what I would do is an issue with no dialogue, because I love those. Yeah. Um, Do an issue with no dialogue and have this little girl idolizing Spider-Man. Like, having, um, It could be a little boy too i don't really care um yeah. like, i like spider-man they've got a spider-man blanket they're they're me as a kid <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> spider-man blanket spider-man posters on the wall um and well, you and as we, an
0: adult too don't like yeah
1: right <laughs> they got <a> spider-man <laughs> shirt uh spider-man cape spider-man backpack all the good stuff yeah um, for,
0: for those of you who are listening to this you can't see the video <laughs> will is literally wearing a spider-man shirt right i now. am wearing a
1: spider-man shirt and there's a spider-man poster on the wall right behind me and yeah. there's Spider-Man poster that's ten feet wide on the other wall that you can't see. Yeah. Anyway, it's not. Yeah. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) um so um and there's and i want her there's going to be all these like near misses like she's going to come out of a store with her parents and there's like a webbed up baddie on on a post and she looks around can't find Mm. him and then there's gonna be another one where spider-man's shadow goes across and he and she like tries to see tries to chase him doesn't see him and then another time where she sees spider-man go around a corner um and she runs over to try to see him but then you see peter parker walking out of an alleyway like Uh all these little like near misses and she just gets super sad and then um and then I want her to at the at the end finally meet finally come across Spider-Man maybe because you know Shocker is like dropping a bank and she gets like knocked or something and Spider-Man catches her and she hugs him and she starts crying and she doesn't let go Uh like she, like, he lands her on her feet, and she just keeps on holding, and then he's, like, uh uh, he's kind of looking around, because there's no dialogue, and so you just yeah. kind of see, like, his. he's just kind of, like, looking, he's kind of nervous, and he, like, pats her on the head, and, and she just, like, holds a little bit tighter, and then her family, her parents come up, uh, come and get her, and they, like, have this, like, yeah, sorry about that Spider-Man kind of <laughs> thing, and then just show, just, like, I want them to show, like, Um, just like a whole bunch of pictures of like her and her like spider-man stuff and and then just like i want him to like give her something like maybe like his glove or or like like something that's a web shooter or
0: something (laughs) yeah
1: like web shooter or like one of his web canisters or just like something or like um sign something of hers or anything yeah. that she can take away and just like have her make her day as she waves bye to him as he swings away that's that would amazing. be my issue of that's Spider-Man. beautiful man <laughs> that's we gotta get you making comics I'm serious. <laughs> yeah dude so and like the last time you've ever said that to me was mm-hmm. um when i had a similar idea about a protest that was blocking a bridge or some, some protest that was blocking a street. Yeah. And how that protest affected like five different lives in the cars, like behind. Yeah. three of them were good. Two of them were bad. Like one person gets fired. Another person gets inspired to join the cause. Another person misses a plane that ends up, get, that ends up uh, crashing. Like all these other random like things that happened because of a protest. And you're like, you should write that. And I was like, but i told you cuz i wanted you to write it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, <yeah>. well
0: <laughs> well correct cuz like that that specifically i can just reach over and grab this was oh, yeah. yeah this was like you're describing a formative moment in my life. <laughs> was a uh, um i was i was 16 years old and we went um so this is the first Memorial Day after nine eleven, and you know there's all of this stuff with the Patriot Act going on, and uh, and invasion of Afghanistan, and the Bush administration's already starting to talk about war in Iraq, and so the anti-war movement starts getting mobilized, and that includes a big demonstration on the Golden Gate Bridge on Memorial Day that somehow word about it got all the way down to Santa Barbara and we had uh you know some friends of mine are like oh yeah we're gonna go and like I'm 16 years old I've never been to something like this before Mm -hmm. and I'm like oh this is meaningful this is big like this is this is like a world historic type event like we are going to demonstrate we're going to you know a big city we're gonna do something that means something. And, you know, so we get like two cars full of kids from Santa Barbara to come on up. And we go to like a, uh, you know, my first nonviolence tactics training and help out with food not bombs at a, you know, local uh info shop house, whatever. And I'm like, you know, we stay at a youth hostel and it's like this big, like it feels like just like this crackle of importance and energy and, and all this stuff. And then we show up the next day to the demonstration and there's like maybe a hundred people there. There's like about one cop for every two people and Mm. the cop, and it's just like dead. It's just nothing. It's just like the most like, anti like de rigueur like oh this is the thing that everybody does every week like nobody ever expected this to be important or or change or do anything Mm. and the the protest makes it uh three quarters of the way across the bridge and you know despite the permitting and all that stuff that was uh totally fine the police block the protest wait until the permit expires uh so we're stuck on the bridge and and the we're all on the sidewalk the police block like five lanes of traffic on the golden gate bridge on memorial day weekend and of course we get blamed for it and we get pushed all the way back across the bridge a bunch of people get arrested i watched like an 11 year old girl get grabbed and thrown down onto the ground and zip cuffed her and then like uh just all of this, like, I don't know, It just watching, like, the entire <laughs> political spectrum between, like, apathy to this sort of mundane acceptance that your uh, political participation doesn't mean anything and doesn't change anything to... We watched a woman get interviewed by the news. Like you said, she's stuck in traffic. She's in a car. A mm-hmm. news camera is interviewing her. And she's like, I'm pregnant and I have to pee. And it's like, oh my gosh. <laughs> my friend Josh was like, that's the soundbite of the entire protest. That's all anyone's ever going to hear about any of this. Not while we're there. Not what right. happened. Just the traffic was blocked and a woman was pregnant and had to pee. And that's exactly what happened. We watched the coverage that night. and That was it. Wow. And like... <laughs> and never mind the fact that we didn't stop any of the traffic yeah. we were on the sidewalk the whole time. But it's like, it, it was a huge coming of age moment and a huge like flash point in just like, I didn't unpack it all at the time. I didn't understand it all right away, but said, and then watching police violence, you know, mm-hmm. uh, happen right in front of me. Like it, it was a huge moment in just me coming to understand the world and politics and how these things actually work. Mm -hmm. And so I I keep this flyer right on my wall behind my desk. I've got a whole wall full of like, cool shit that I've done to help inspire me. You know, Mm -hmm. I've got uh, an op ed that I that I ghost wrote for the Chelsea Manning campaign. I've got uh, page from uh, a, an original page from the prose that Yelena drew and sent to me uh I've got your uh the picture of that you commissioned from the bachelor party mm-hmm. with uh you and me and all the other groomsmen I've got the the flyer from my um my <laughs> high school senior prank of running for student body president oh my gosh yeah. uh i've got the you know the flyer from or the poster from uh the think outside the bomb conference i organized uh so a couple other things it's just like things to remind me like oh i've done like cool things in my life and i can like remember and be inspired by you know the journey I've taken. And and that's one of, one of the things that it's actually front and center. It's right in the middle of all of them. This little flyer here. Yeah. So with that, I I have (laughs) one more, (laughs) I have one more, uh, addition to Devin's question too, since we're on the subject, I'll, I'll I'll share it. I've always been curious about what happens just because comics storylines Characters and characters are never actually allowed to end even when the natural climax of it all is past mm-hmm. you know so like it's always been a source of interest for me what happens to a character that's brought in for one specific sort of destiny and then they fulfill it or it ends and then what so like cable he, he comes <laughs> back to the present he kills Apocalypse. I mean, they brought Apocalypse back eventually, but he does kill Apocalypse during the twelve. And it's like, okay, yeah. now what? Or like Hope, she's the mutant Messiah. Now what? Uh, right, Hulkling, Hulkling. You know, he's like the 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 faded, um, Kree he's and Romeo and
1: Juliet story.
0: Yeah, he's and he's sort of the the potential for uniting the Kree and Skrull. Now what?
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: you know, and so maybe it's just me as a, a former gifted child. <laughs> it was like, you know, you, you go to all of these like gifted and talented and AP classes and they're like, Oh, you're, you're important. You're going to change the world. You're, you're meaningful. You're a snowflake. And in a, in a positive way, not with that, that, uh, <laughs> what it means now. stupid <laughs> words come to me now, but like, you know, all of this stuff is like, you're hyped up. And then you enter just like, the sort of mundane shitty reality of the world around you and it's like well <laughs> shit man i'm just getting chewed up and swallowed out and um yeah i i would love to to put them all together in a book i don't know what's going to happen but i w- i want to see them sort of find meaning in their lives in the next stage of their lives once the the thing that they feel like their whole life was building towards is done and there's still children
1: (laughs) yeah yeah that would be interesting because there there's there are a lot of them you know stupid amount of those yeah Yeah. you
0: you think like luna she unites the Mm -hmm. the inhumans and the mutants and yeah all this stuff like i think it it could make for for an interesting story so without out of the way let's talk comics i want I don't have a whole lot to talk about here, so why don't, why don't you start us off? What what's oh, uh, what's something that you read that, that uh, you wanna you wanna talk about this week?
1: <sighs> um, because you read a lot, we're
0: still going through your vacation backlog here. This is
1: vacation backlog that's not Donovex, dude. Also, um, I skipped over Donovex five, uh, okay, just in in the pile because I haven't checked with you on when we want to read more. You Don. tell me. You tell me day or
0: night. You send me a message, say <laughs> yeah. it's next, I'm reading it, and I will drop everything else I'm reading.
1: You're wait your more more than Bated happy. breath. I am <laughs> <Okay>. itch- <laughs> All right, cool. I'll I'll check with you. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I read that I said that I need to go back and read was Silver Surfer Black. Um Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it's basically just, you know, he goes through a black hole and has to like Find his way back. Now, there are some things that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Like he created baby stars, and that's okay. what's turning him black. Hmm. Like it does. That doesn't. Like the one and one don't really add up. But whatever. Sure. This kind of is it like he's expending the power
0: cosmic within it him. It seems
1: like it, but he still has okay. the power of cosmic. So like sure, it's the power of cosmic. The power of cosmic. <laughs> so it's not necessarily that he's using the last of it it's just right he used it and the first time he used it it turned his right hand black and then he mm. had to do it again to fight off whatever he was fighting off at the time and there turned his arm black and then he does it again and that's when he goes all black but okay. did you read the run with him and the girl in the ladybug dress i didn't no i really
0: wanted to because yeah, so that
1: was a pretty good run i love uh the all reds there are yeah the only problem is that was kind of ignored here <laughs> okay um only in, only in the sense that like they name the board mm. because the board is sentient um, right and he it's definitely just a tool in this storyline oh <laughs> okay sure um, like that whole arc is just kind of gone also he has visions of his love and it's of his wife back on zen law like Mm -hmm. this other woman just never happened but i don't know it's whatever um yeah my my the thing that stands out to me is he goes back to the beginning of time okay um and this is the like there have been so many quote-unquote creation stories in (laughs) marvel 616 yeah that have happened and it's bound to happen. That's fine, but like every time I read it, I'm like, okay, this is concrete. This is established. It was approved by Joe Quesada, so this is this is it. And um, yeah, this is that, an exercise
0: my... in madness, my buddy. I got to say. I know.
1: So he comes across Galen in his chrysalis state. Um, okay, Galen is the sole survivor of the last iteration of the universe, and so all of the all the energy of the last universe is within him. And he, when he comes over here, he gestates and becomes Galactus. So okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so that's all that. He comes across Galen mm-hmm. and he's like... And and Silver Surfer has this hard-on for being anti-Galactus because he's caused the death of trillions of lives. Even though right. we've spent plenty of storylines over the last 20 years that I've read that ha- that show that Galactus is a galactic need a galactic constant yeah like a a cosmic constant like Uh he brings balance to the natural universe (laughs) the the universe needs galactus and silver surfer is mentally battling with himself of do i kill galen here before he becomes galactus and save these trillions of lives like this entire storyline is just him flashing back to zen law like nothing else has happened, and then getting bitter about Zen Law and and this guilt he has over the number of planets he has been the herald to go and destroy, and thinking how can I save those planets? Like okay. it completely negates everything he's done from the first time he showed up on Earth and ever since. <laughs> like it just <laughs> it was just, it was a strange story to tell at the time they told it. The art sure. is beautiful and original and abstract. Like, this is Galactus, like his view of Galactus. Oh, wow. It's super wide. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's super angular. There's like zero straight lines. It's very um, Anthony Gaudi. Mm. But uh, so the story itself was just really boring. Um, but the art was great to watch. <laughs> um, he teamed up with Ego to um, fight the final, like, daddy which oh yeah he fought null Mm -hmm. um and that's the only reason why this has any significance to uh well potential significance because i have to still have to read the storyline because it's happening right now ish um (laughs) but null is the creator and god of the symbiotes right yeah uh he is the king in black he is the first shadow he is like he's as old as the universe he okay. was like they've given him so much dude they've given the symbiotes <laughs> s- and and those characters so much backstory it's almost nauseating like i love <laughs> the spider stories <laughs> but oh my goodness <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's fighting null at the dawn of time at the wow. dawn of the universe okay um and he's spending more and more of his cosmic energy turning more and more black. He uses the last of his cosmic energy at the time to create one more giant blast to set Null back. And he creates the seed for Zen La, his own like planet, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I've
0: read like, five closed loop time paradoxes in the last, like you know, couple months, in just in my X Men reread, and <laughs> like it's just like whatever,
1: yeah. So I, I've,
0: I've I've just gotten completely numb to it. Like yeah. Shatterstar went back in time to, uh, yeah. You know what? Never mind. It's not. <laughs>
1: no yeah the the clo- the self-closed loop of shatterstar and long is not even that in itself that's that's amazing because
0: <laughs> it's dumb because it's hella yeah. dumb and it's just like yeah i'm my own grandpa i don't care deal with it i'm talking about shatterstar becoming benjamin russell so x-force <laughs> shatterstar and cable get sucked into the mojo verse and this is after shatterstar's been a member of x-force for a while He gets mortally wounded. They bring him back. He merges his essence with a teenage mutant in a coma. If you remember that episode, yeah, Uh, yeah, he merges his essence with the teenage mutant in a coma, Benjamin Russell, back in (laughs) Uh time. And then they awaken to, and then he from there joins X Force with no memory of cable or any of them. So it's like, it's like literally like a. In, like, written continuity, like maybe a one month time cycle. And then you're just like, so what the hell is Shatterstar after this? Like, <laughs> there's where, how does he come back? Where does he, what? It's absolute nonsense.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And there's been so many of those. And that's, and that's what really stood out to me is like how many there have been. So many. Um, like, uh, Fantastic Four has a storyline where, Reed Richards actually on a cosmic scale helps set mo- things in motion to uh, have the cosmic rays as they are that gave them their powers okay. and helped kind of shape how the Big Bang worked out and then <laughs> there's this other, I want to say it was Fearless Defenders which the only reason why I ended up liking it is because of this um, <laughs> but they were dealing with something way beyond their power power level, but it it was these other dimensional beings that could see all the possibilities of the best Mm -hmm. outcomes kind of thing, Mm -hmm. of all the different outcomes. And they established that for Earth 616, they took all of the best potential possibilities of every hero and made it so they happened in 616. And that's why... Earth six one six is at the center of so many multidimensional stories. Okay, okay, all right. <laughs> and the only way, the only time that's ever really proved itself is with Spider-Man, mm. because in all the Spider-Verse stories, mm-hmm. Peter Parker six one six always takes the lead. Right. They always. Every other spider naturally follows him. Uh huh. And that's the only time we've seen that actually play out. <laughs> I and mean, we look at the Council of Reeds. The Council 616 of Reeds. Reed is Small Potatoes. At best even with yeah. the rest of the Reeds. <laughs> but anyway, For sure. with Silver Surfer Black, the only reason why I ended up really liking it is because there's this letter at the end. It's written by Donnie Cates, and I really like his work. Yeah. Um but basically uh he was given a Silver Surfer storyline and then um San Lee passed. And so he changed his entire idea of what he was going to do with Silver Surfer, and basically made this his ode to Stan. And um, that's awesome. He wanted this to be his um, his letter of thanks to Stan Lee, and I was like, fine. (laughs) (laughs) I I stepped. Like I personally didn't really like it that much, but you did it to Stan, so I'm gonna let it go. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) um and so we spent a lot more time on that than i thought we were going to but um this other thing i read was uh ghost Rider: the war for heaven books one and two and i thought (laughs) that this was going to be set around when johnny blaze took the throne of hell that i told you about in like damnation in las vegas okay um But it's not. This is a Ghost Rider story that happened in 2006. So basically, I'm filling out my whole reading all of Marvel 616 from the last 20 years, right? Uh, (laughs) Because Ghost Ghost Rider doesn't have a whole lot of um, uh, solo titles, yeah, which is strange. It also his the story of Ghost Rider is the least coherent of. All the stories I've read of Marvel Hero <laughs> and villains suffice to say, so That's when we get it. When we, so. Yeah, I know when we get introduced to Ghost Rider, he's got the spirit of vengeance, and it's, <laughs> and the name is the name is Zarathos. And it's a deal he got it from, and this is Johnny Blaze, uh, from making a deal with Mephisto, and it was during like a stunt sure. accident, whatever. <sighs> He okay. After he gets rid of it, it goes to Danny Ketch. And it's then revealed that they are both one, that they're related, but then they're both related. They're yeah. descendants <laughs> of um, Noble Kale. Noble Kale is established as the first ghostwriter. And he's okay. from, from the 18th century, so like uh, 1700s. So that's within right. their own within their own mythos, he's the first ghost ghostwriter, and then, as they spend more time, they're like, "Oh, there right. was a ghostwriter in the old west there was a ghostwriter there's, <laughs> there's um of course there's, yeah. Yeah, but he was but he was just called the writer, and then um, uh, and then uh, the very first one chronologically that could possibly happen is this caveman that's in like the old school um, pre- the, the prehistoric Avengers. Who, of course, um, who he's the second human to ever have speech. First one <laughs> the, fir- the first one, <laughs> um, the first one ends up being the first Wendigo. So this is set somewhere in oh, Canada. Perfect. Yeah. And it's the first Wendigo. And the first Wendigo goes and destroy kills this entire village. And he leaves the last one alive because he understood what he was saying. And by speech. This is b- people speaking English. So, you know, <laughs> take it for what you will. Right. <laughs> um, and so the first Wendigo calls the soul survivor Ghost. And then mm. yeah, and then mm. so Ghost, Ghost is like, okay, I'm going to get stronger and defeat you and take vent. I'm going to maybe um, ride something. Yeah. So. <laughs> and so he gets the hellfire and he goes and imbues it into a mammoth. Um and so now he's known as the writer and uh and (laughs) his nickname is ghost and so it's a whole thing um (laughs) so and then you go through and you see um and then okay so that's okay okay, the 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 prehistoric ghost writer only recently came along like 2018 so in war for heaven
0: This is all dumb enough to make me start to fall in love with Ghost Rider.
1: Dude, it's all (laughs) over the place. It's all over the place. So this, the So Noble Kale in the 1700s, that that is revealed before War for Heaven starts. The reason why War for Heaven starts is because Johnny Blaze somehow finds out that um, angels are actually involved with... Ghostwriters sure. and this sure. the, yeah, yeah. the angel, yeah, the angel, the <laughs> angel Zadkiel is the true bestower of all ghostwriters. Oh. Um, and by all ghostwriters, you come to find out that, <clears throat> that there's a ghostwriter in every country that is the spirit of vengeance for each country. So f noble kale and johnny blaze and all this and their storyline yeah, there's know, spirits of vengeance everywhere and there's been one for centuries in all across the world and they <gasps> respect
0: political borders
1: well yeah contemporary yeah. political <laughs> constructs <laughs> and um and suffice so we'll just say that they're different regions just sure. for the sake of believing <laughs> no um, we
0: we we can't we do make this make more sense, dude.
1: And so, um, now Johnny Blaze Johnny is kissed because now he has a true name to the being that made his life terrible. Because he went, he fought, he found this out because he went and confronted Mephisto and beat him, and mm-hmm. Mephisto's essence broke up into, um. I want to say 666 pieces, but I don't want to just make. I I don't want to be that guy. Hey, hey the writers were that guy. Let's. Oh no, on. it is. Yeah, the Prince of Darkness's <laughs> essence was shattered into 666 pieces, each of which went in on to possess the body of a recently deceased human.
0: So Johnny Blaze is
1: going around and defeating all of Lucifer's avatars. Perfect. Yeah, that's where we enter war. Pump it right into my veins. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And 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 um. So we find out that angels are involved. Zadkiel now wants to um usurp the th- the throne of heaven. And in order to do so, he has to kill all the current spirits of vengeance so he can take their powers and go and overthrow heaven. Okay. Enter this 36 issue <laughs> freaking <laughs> Saga <laughs> of just ridiculousness. And a lot of it is like Johnny Blaze trying to find where somehow to get to the gates so he can go and confront Zadkail. And so he's following every single demonic rumor kind of a thing. And sure. Hunting it down. And oh, we go and find uh this is where we get introduced to oh, a new spirit of vengeance gets created of this um. Rookie Cop, who got involved with in all all of um Johnny Blaze's shenanigans and swore vengeance and dude it's. <laughs> it's all over the place and the reason why it like i have to confess
0: was... my eyes kind of glazed over there and the, uh, towards the end but yeah keep going <laughs> yeah
1: absolutely so um and then we get we get danny Ketch, and he gets recruited to uh by zadkiel because zadkiel convinces Dan, uh, danny that all of the other spirits of vengeance are in agony and oh and um being <laughs> Being a spirit of vengeance slash ghostwriter has a timeline, and it's and after a certain amount of time, you lose your sanity and you go berserk. Cool, and that's perfect. What, perfect
0: what, thing to to bestow in you know hundreds of people around the world, right?
1: But yeah. but that's a lie that Zadkiel told Danny, um, and so he convinced Danny that that's the problem, and so so he recruits Danny to go and kill all the other ghostwriters. <laughs> across the world <laughs> to, to um all for Zadkiel's plan of of getting the powers back so he can go and overthrow heaven. It ends with Danny and Johnny and then Johnny beats Danny. Danny finds out Zedekiel's true plan and he's like damn it, I'm so sorry. I screwed up. Um <laughs> dude, it's it, it to say it's all over the place is the is so it it doesn't make sense. Um, <laughs> Danny doesn't have control over his transformation anymore. Basically, whenever the power of vengeance is needed, all of a sudden he starts to turn into the Ghost Rider. And it like, seems like it that was the way graphic. it
0: was in some nineties uh, in in the Nick Cage ap- appearances that that I've read. Oh, oh I, I didn't yeah. see the Nick Cage movie. Oh, okay, I'm, I'm it was really kind of like that. I I'm starting to think that. That might be the perfect movie, and that I need to drop
1: everything and watch it. <laughs> so, and this is why I'm I'm upset because I went and looked up the Wikipedia because I was like, because well, oh, they they overthrow Zadkiel because. Um, it's revealed that Zadkiel doesn't have true power because God is the one that bestows the actual powers, that actually controls all the Ghost Riders. Hey. And so all the Ghost Riders get recruited out of hell with their actual Ghost Rider powers and overthrow the angels and Zadkiel. <sighs> they kill Zadkiel. Zadkiel goes down to hell, and the like, hey, remember me? Suck the trick. And then, and tortures him. So <laughs> God now is back on the throne of heaven. Um, It is still canon that God is the true owner of all of the Ghost Riders. However, by the time we come across Ghost Rider in Damnation and Johnny Blaze becomes the king of hell, he's the one that, Mephisto is the one that controls the bestowing of the Ghost Rider. And then when Johnny Blaze becomes the king of hell, he's the one that bestows the Ghost Riders. Mm. And there's an area in hell that all the Ghost Riders hang out in. (laughs) The one thing that I really liked was that there's this midget like uh uh gangster uh looking ghostwriter that I always see and they always throw in because he's very iconic. He's like three feet tall, he's got a striped shirt, and he's oh, got nice. a, and he's got a club. He's yeah. introduced in War for Heaven and he actually has lines in War for Heaven. So and... now I know that he's he's from the like the 1920s and he was a <laughs> lackey and um and his boss was also a ghostwriter. So there's like Oh. <laughs> <laughs> there have been so many ghostwriters but no noble kale is from the 1700s and he was the first ghostwriter. It's they 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 establish and destroy their own continuity so many times. And Ghostwriter doesn't have an ongoing title like everyone else does and so there's literally like one storyline in between uh, maybe two storylines, in between War for Heaven and when we see him in Damnation. So at no point, and I have one of those, I have one or both of those storylines. One of the only other times he's shown up is in World War Hulk and he just leaves. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so ridiculous. Um, there was one cool thing. Two, oh, two ghostwriters from the future showed up. Um, of course. put yeah, of, to put of, people of back on their track, and they're like, "Wait, what year is it?" Hey, um, have the scrolls showed up yet? And I was like, "Wait a second. <laughs> and so I looked. This came out in two thousand six. Secret Invasion happened in two thousand seven. So oh. that's cool. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> like, oh my god, dude! It was it like it wasn't bad reading, yeah, as for a story by itself but putting it in the context of all of 616
0: or even like uh, you read it and you're flipping pages and you're like yeah okay uh uh-huh and then like the second you put it down you're like what what yeah (laughs) what is in my brain now (laughs)
1: yeah and like and again like I looked it up because I was actually like confused and the wikipedia just like yep this happened and then he found out this happened and then this happened and and it's just detailing war for heaven and then it jumps to his next appearance and it jumps to his next appearance and then it jumps to his next appearance for being king of hell and it's just like you guys don't care either so it's uh, it's frustrating yeah
0: Yeah. you you personally care way more than anyone in the market. oh my god dude oh my god I just want you to know that. Yes, like I want I you to like accept this.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um what else do you got? Yeah, uh Savage Avengers volume 2 finally read. Um okay. uh uh Conan and Punisher just hung out and and walked through mm-hmm. Antarctica cuz remember they're leaving right. um
0: Savage yeah, Land, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: and they're just like I'll walk. <laughs> Yeah. Um. <laughs> uh. The two of them kind of got along. Okay. And this is another one of those like, they're writing the character to what they need. So, yeah. um, like Punisher was chummy, and mm. uh, Conan was a little more talkative than usual. But for whatever reason, Conan got invited to, um, have dinner with Doom, and it's and the storyline is called "To Dine with Doom." Mm. So he goes to Lavaria and he's having dinner with doom uh and they're being pretty respectful to each other and they're sitting across from each other and conan's like are you not going to eat and doom's like don't worry there's no poison and he's like i'm not afraid of that i'm insulted and doom's just like staring at him he's like you hide your face why do you hide your face (laughs) and doom's just like i was wounded and and as he's refilling his glass of wine, Conan just goes, I see. So you're vain. <laughs> and Doom just like, and he takes his mask off and he starts eating with him. And you're just like, yo! <laughs> like, that was just mad that, awesome. between two badasses. Like, Conan comes from such a different world. Yeah. But like, he's, and, and in so many aspects, Conan is the peak of what you could get physically as mm. like a savage caveman person sure and then and doom is at the borderline peak of what you can get through tech and mysticism and magic right and so like as quote-unquote kings of their realms mm. it's it i i saw it as like a view of kings. Game. yeah yeah and yeah. game totally recognized and it was just it was the most epic thing but like and then, as far as like writers writing to their uh, for their title, like Doom and Strange had like weird kind of banter between each other. Doom doesn't talk. Strange would never team up with Doom if you didn't have to. Like it's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just weird. Um, it was a really quick read, not the best, but it finished the storyline they were telling in the first one. So whatever. Sure. And then. I read Ruins of Ravencroft and Ravencroft. Um okay. Ravencroft are they are tangentially spider books. Okay. Um they're more just they're okay. So Ravencroft is the closest thing that Marvel will have to Arkham Asylum that Batman right. has. Yeah, yeah. Um and in Ruins of Ravencroft, this this is this is where we get a little like. It's fine that they've established this deep history, but there was no need. <laughs> and <laughs> uh, it's basically colonial times, and the the first Ravencroft and the first Cassidy are together, and Cassidy is like like
0: Sean Cassidy, like Banshee.
1: No, oh no, 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 Cletus Cassidy. Like oh, Conch. okay. Yeah, wow. different spelling. If if, if this right. were in chat, you would have seen it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Cortland Cassidy is, quote unquote, the first inmate of Ravencroft. And at the time, it was a single shed and Ravencroft locked Corlin Cassidy in there and let him die. And he went, because he was starting to go mad and he started getting swirls in his eyes, which is the sign of Noel, of and King of Black, and all this other ridiculousness. And so now it has this like haunted history. It has all these hideaway things. It's, it's not great, <laughs> <laughs> but like <laughs> they use this opportunity to establish this like hundred year long, hundreds here, year long history of, the insanity that is Carnage and, and the Cassidy name. Because, like, when they in, first introduced Cassidy, he's just the psycho murderer who was a cellmate with Eddie Brock. And the Venom symbiote created the Carnage symbiote and they bonded and they bonded at the DNA level and right. showed and introduced Carnage. And now, over the last few years, as, as they have expanded on. The symbiotes and making them the Clintar and the the world that they come from and right. Null. They have also expanded on Carnage, and we'll talk about that in Absolute Carnage, which we should. I guess we should talk about sometime soon. But yeah, Absolute Carnage and this he's this prophesized maniac, um, <laughs> and Carnage is basically the like kind of the herald slash. Summoner of Null and all this other ridiculousness, and so they use Ravencroft to show how long the uh, the Null influence and on the Cassidy name has existed. I've,
0: <sighs> I've got a I've got a symbiote question for you. Sure, because i i read I've read a uh, Secret War, right where. Spider-Man first gets yeah. what was assumed to be just the black suit. Did they ever explain why the Venom symbiote was on the Beyonder's battle world? Ooh, how it got there in the first place? Yeah, why? I... It, why it was inside a costume machine?
1: <laughs> I don't think so. Okay,
0: <laughs> um... I mean, it could just be it could just be that the Beyonder like chose. That symbiote, along with all the Earth heroes, Earth and like you know heroes from all over the place. To, well, it was part not. Of it was world. in
1: space. It oh. was still in space at the time. Okay. Um Before it was on Battle World, it was bonded to a Cree warrior. Okay. That learned to control it telepathically. Sure. Like you uh, know <laughs> So. How it got onto Battle World, I'm actually not sure. I'm gonna find that out.
0: Okay, (laughs) Uh, I don't know
1: if there is actually an established answer for that. Okay, um, but while it was on Battle World, Deadpool wore it, of course, and then oh, right, the secret, secret yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, that's a whole other thing, (laughs) (sighs) yeah, just symbiotes, man, symbiotes, they they really ran with it. The last thing is, I just started Spider Verse. Oh, cool! Which single-handedly contradicts Fantastic Four, which is which is kind of a shame because they're both going in very polar opposite directions of mm. alternate universes. Okay. In Spider Verse, they openly establish that there's still an infinite number of universes. Um, okay. Because every decision creates a new alternate universe. Blah blah. Right. blah. Uh, so, even so, if you
0: only started from secret war from the the most recent secret war from from doom's secret war uh and Hickman's secret war, even if you only started from them there there would be well there'd be infinite parallel universes from the opening tip from from the, from the first from the very like five very minutes. first second yeah
1: yeah yeah, so it's establishing that mindset whereas in fantastic four their there's first storyline of how they got back to 616 is they spent all this time manually creating thousands of universes right and then a cosmic constant basically saw the weakness in them because they're man-made and started collapsing them mm-hmm. and so there is this race to go and get away from that one i think it was um the the cosmic constant that was pissed is the physical manifestation of everything that didn't get to be. There's, oh, okay. there's eternity, which is right. everything that is. Yeah. And then his sister is everything that wasn't.
0: That's cool. I'm all into of the that, lost potential. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so she's going through and destroying all of these fake universe, fake universes. Right. Um, yeah. And by the end of that, there's only a few hundred left. Okay. So, at the end of the Fantastic Four run, there's only a few hundred universes, but then in Spider-Verse, within three panels, you've got Earth 1411319 and then you've got Earth 10113519 and then the next page you got Earth 138. <laughs> and then right. you go to Earth 51778. Like there's there's so many Spider Earths, <laughs> um, and so it's just like when you read all of Marvel, these kinds right. of inconsistencies show up, and right. it's a little, it's kind of a bummer. Like this, uh, this spider right here is a Mad Max spider. <laughs> um, cool. He's, he's being chased. So, uh, um, it's like a, this mutant bomb went off, and he's and um the mutants are trying to rule the world, and this just kind of made me laugh. But so it's Mad Max and. Uh you've got mutant uh the Professor X is just hilarious. <laughs> mutant mutated mutants. Sweet. Yeah. And there's and Spider-Man is control he has the last canister of non irradiated irradiated human DNA. <laughs> wow, that's a whole thing. Anyway, so um yeah, it's just infinite earths on on this one, and Spider-Mam is uh, Aunt May with spider powers. Of course. And then she is able to rip open a tear in the dimensional barriers because all of the infinite potential Spider-Mams all shot their web in the same spot. And it's able to get this carnage spider Man and suck her back into her own reality. And so, like, even just within <laughs> the Spider-Man's universe, there's all these. Other, there's like a, there was like a ricochet Spider-Man. There was a Prodigy Spider-Man. Like when when they did the Identity Crisis, and then there's um, all these all the different spider suits that we've seen Peter Parker wear were Spider-Man versions. And it's just like yeah. yeah, I guess that technically checks <laughs> out. But, yeah, 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 and, and it's just. Continually multiplies the number of potential right. spiders, and it's just, yeah. like that's so counter to to the Fantastic Four, which arguably Fantastic Four is so embedded in the makeup of Marvel and how it tells its cosmic stories yeah. Yeah. that that seems more concrete than <laughs> this Spider Verse book that only mm. deals with uh, other spiders and not even right. other heroes in those other worlds. Sure. So it's like it's just, it's it, it it feels like you're you're making a story up instead of like trying to establish something. Right. What we have writing,
0: yeah. So besides that,
1: though, Spider Verse. I'm only two issues in. Okay, it's not it's not amazing, um, but I honestly I wasn't expecting too much out of it.
0: How come not? I feel like um, that's really
1: in your wheelhouse. I know, right? Um, because so these Spider Verse stories are fun for cameos. Mm. They're not great as their own like standalone. Like there was a Web Warriors comic where some of the some of the Spider Heroes that were involved with the Spider geddon story stay by the Web of Life to go and help any other spiders and the other universes that are having problems. Sure. Um, basically, to protect the web of life, and it just wasn't as good. I think they just needed more. They wanted some excuses to use some of the alternate universe spiders, right? And a lot of the spider, the web warriors, ended up being in Into the Spider Verse, and so okay. I think it was just kind of establishing some of their yeah, stuff. like
0: fleshing out some yeah, some care. It's some like doing it because it's popular, not because there's a there's a story to tell there.
1: Yeah, and I haven't, I'm not entirely convinced that this is going to be a good story yet. There's a new spinner, the new master spinner, who is Spider Ling, who is the daughter of Peter Parker and Mary Jane from Ultimate Alternate Universe, who is also a spider. She's the new weaver and she's disappeared. And now they've introduced Spider Zero, which I don't fully understand her. She doesn't look that important. She seems, okay. she looks kind of like a mixed child of what would be like Miles and Mary Jane, because she's got okay. red hair. Okay. Um, and she's got just like darker skin. Sure. And she's established as Spider Zero, but we don't know anything else about her. And she's supposed to keep an eye on the web of life. Right. Um, with Spiderling. And yeah. she doesn't know where Spiderling is. And that's the established story and um miles is like how come you're calling me and not peter parker um because that doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me and spider zero says well it's a new web of life so i feel like we should have the new generation of spiders um Mm -hmm. run over this i'm like okay (laughs) like it just it it feels let's throw something together and use some some spider characters that people don't really know yet yeah as opposed to like let's have an actual reason <laughs> to put <blur> them <everyone laughs> together. Like right. Spider Spider and into and Spider Verse both were major um, right. Spider stories that yeah. had that had um, high stakes and there was a lot of tension. Sure, this the first two issues just feels kind of rompy. Sure, and uh, we'll see we'll see where it goes. Uh, all right, makes sense. Anything else uh, on your plate this week? that's it wow (laughs) so um so congratulations (laughs) getting through it yeah so after that i'm going to i think i've got a miss marvel book there's a captain marvel book and then i'm probably going to work in some donna vex
0: very cool very exciting yeah
1: yeah Yeah, because um empire is half is in like 20 books on my shelf Okay. And we have to get through Donna X, like volume 12, by the time I get there. Uh-huh. So there's going to be a lot of Donna X coming up. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. <sighs> All right.
0: Well, um, I didn't read a ton that really felt worth talking about this week. So just going through it, uh, I read X Man. There, there's a lot on uh, Madeline Pryor. It, it finally kind of started to make sense why why they brought back Madeline Pryor. And I still don't think it was a good idea (laughs) because if you, okay. So Madeline Pryor's backstory, right? She was a clone of Jean Grey that was created by Mr. Sinister as a backup plan so that if Jean Grey died, there would still be a way to create the, the child of... Cyclops and gene Grey, the perfect mixture of genes that he hypothesized that would be his key to destroying Apocalypse. Who he's too vain to accept being forced under Apocalypse's rule. Blah 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 blah. But Madeline Pryor, like so, gene Grey dies. Scott has you know. He mourns, he dates a woman named Lee Forrester for a little bit, who's actually a very interesting character. She also dated Magneto for a little while. Anyway, yeah. And eventually meets Madeline, doesn't notice that she is literally a clone of Jean Grey. (laughs) Just, you know, and and wasn't intended to. She wasn't intended to as as a character, you know, as a character that time, just a woman who looks a lot like her. And it was supposed to be this opportunity for Cyclops to stop being a superhero, go off, retire to Alaska, live, you know, his happily ever after, because Claremont was done telling stories with them. The Marvel editorial said, no, no, we need him back. We're going to bring back Jean Grey. We're going to do the original X-Men as X-Factor. So Cyclops leaves the X-Men and then leaves Madeline and his infant son to go play superhero with his dead ex-girlfriend. And she rightfully gets very pissed, but increasingly like they, they care way more about telling Cyclops stories than they do about Madeline Pryor stories. So like she's a regular or she's not a member of the X-Men because she doesn't have powers or they don't think she has powers mm-hmm. at that point, but she is hanging out with the X-Men. She's with, she fakes her death or Sacrifices her life to stop the adversary during the fall of mutants and then gets brought back by Roma. And then she goes with them to uh, Australia during that whole part of X-Men history and is presumed dead. And so Cyclops is like, whatever, she's gone, you know, doesn't follow up. But then, like like I said, Marvel's more interested in telling Cyclops stories than in telling Madeline Pryor stories. So like, okay, we got to, she, she's done. We got to get rid of her. And it's kind of like, it turns into this like super macho- misogynistic trope. It's like, whenever you have a guy friend who's like, who breaks up with a woman or gets dumped and is like, bro, she was so crazy. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> you know, <And> it's <laughs> like, was she was she crazy or do you just have such little like capacity for empathy that you just can't understand where she was coming from you know yeah and so they basically turned that into Madeline Pryor's characters like bro she was so possessed by demons she was so possessed by (laughs) demons bro (laughs) and so she goes crazy she gets you know contacted by demons she decides to sacrifice her own kid becomes the goblin queen uh open a portal between limbo and earth blah 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 she gets killed during that storyline and it's just like there's i feel like this probably is my fault for having read inferno and (laughs) the madeline stories leading up to it but there's just in my mind, there's no way that you can have that character without having that just, like, super misogynistic history. Yeah. Like, like hashtag Madeline was right, almost. <laughs> <You know>? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> like, it, this is just, like, the textbook example of something that, like, doctors would be labeled, oh, it's hysteria. She has a wandering, you know, all of this, this shit that we use to pathologize women uh, throughout history. But anyway... She's brought back by Nate Gray because she has this like residual psychic essence or echo on the world. And when he first enters 616, he's like lost. He's looking for something to latch onto. And she she's looking for her child and he's the closest thing to that because he's significantly younger than Cable, I guess, who is her actual child. And so his like, you know, force of just raw psychic power unconsciously creates her she comes back without memories but they're slowly revealed to her as she interacts with 616 characters and then finally she gets them all back um uh, she does the full villain turn again and she kills threnity so hmm. that's like the big thing that happens in the x-man storyline and then she hops over to the cable book and she and cable have a confrontation that <laughs> was <laughs> Uh, it was it was genuinely it, it was it was a character moment that like okay like this be, if she's going to be around like this had to happen and it led to an interesting interaction but the other thing going on in Cable is that they're starting to build the 12 like so the uh-huh. Jeff Jeff Loeb run really dug deep into rehabilitating Cable as a hero rather than as a Rob Liefeld character and um Now they're kind of really going hard on his destiny. And yeah, they're starting to build towards the 12. Uh, Cheveyor is in 616 uh, present timeline, and he's leading a, a Scani cult in the Swiss Alps, which I don't know why or how. This is another, I think this turns out to be another one of those, you know, closed. On inexplicable time loops but sure (laughs) whatever (laughs) because he's leading cable towards the destiny which in cable's own past he would have saved javert's life or something i don't know Uh. yeah so that's that's really all that's going on in cable and then i want to talk a little bit about generation x so Generation X, there there are three sort of big bads that are kind of trading trading spots throughout the Generation X that I've read so far and I feel like leading towards the future. And it's it's all siblings, which is interesting. It's uh mm. Emma Frost's siblings, particularly Cordelia, Black Tom Cassidy, eh, Cassidy with a C, and wow. <laughs> and M And so Generation X 25 is Black Tom Cassidy's turn. And it turns out that the Mondo character that has been hanging out with Generation X for the last 10, 15 issues, something like that, is not Mondo. He is a plant clone created by Black Tom. So Black Tom was like a very... (laughs) Racist caricature for a while Like his powers was to shoot laser blasts Out of his shillelagh <laughs> Okay <laughs> <laughs> Which like makes sense because Apparently just like Irish racism Was totally acceptable in the 70s And early 80s because there were They were building towards a storyline Or hinting a storyline that like Banshee was a mutated leprechaun okay <laughs> they had okay. no idea what they were doing with the x-men at first it, it... <laughs> and yeah okay yeah so anyway so black tom he got like critically injured and weapon x or somebody started experimenting on him and like tore it half his body off and replaced it with plants because he had this reaction with wood um through you know the shillelagh <laughs> and they're like that's his power and now he's plant guy and so this is like the first uh appearance of him having the sort of don type powers where he can communicate with plants and and control plant matter and you know like sort of become one with his environment and his surroundings and and there's like a part where he's like yeah, you're you're not, go- like, you can attack this body. It does nothing. I am connected to the entire biosphere of the Generation X school. And Chamber's like, oh, you're connected to the entire t- biosphere, are you? Okay, I'm going to set it all on fire. <laughs>
1: oh. And so
0: he just lets his, his, like, plasma self go, and he sets everything on fire. And that's how they beat
1: Black Tom, wow, yeah, dude i have so, I have issues with Black Tom being the one that they use for uh plant like communication in what way in in Dawn of X yeah, because yeah. there's a new mutant in uh, or new x men uh that they use pretty frequently in the last couple of years mm. uh That is just that. Okay. She has, she has, um, I'm going to try to find her, but she has uh, antlers and stuff. And she. Oh,
0: I think I know who you're talking about.
1: Yeah. And like, it just never, and I haven't seen her on the island yet,
0: like in the
1: background. And like, it always just kind of threw me off. I was like, why don't they just use her?
0: (laughs) Is it, no, it's not fauna. Yeah. Oh,
1: it is fauna? Fauna. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. They use her specifically to talk to plants a handful of times in when the x mansion is in central park for a couple years it just it still makes me very uncomfortable having so many x villains um yeah yeah it's like dominant positions
0: it's like you could choose somebody who isn't crazy you could you could you you have your pick of the litter you could choose somebody who hasn't already lost a goddamn mind just saying
1: (laughs) just ah man i'm so nervous but yeah anywho
0: anywho (laughs) yeah somebody who hasn't been you know trying to kill you and and the general human society for (laughs) the entirety of his life nbd if that's something you care about we'll see (laughs) uh and then the the last thing that i read i read a couple issues of x-factor I've talked about X-Factor a good deal. Uh, They finally made their full break with the government, handed their resignations in, faked their deaths, stopped uh, an effort from, you know, shady government figures to infiltrate Forge's compound and take all of the tech that he's been developing. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see where that goes.
1: I feel like Forge, at least recently in the books that I read, he's he's not utilized well
0: they've really in the last i mean it, it's not super recent i feel like the first time i i read this sort of development was in warren ellis's run on astonishing x-men and ghost boxes but they turned him into like just a mad scientist mm. you know like that's mm-hmm. how he is in the current in the don of x x-force series where like he he has this whole like Okay. So he's a Vietnam war veteran who is like also the inheritor of a shamanic tradition in, I I believe he's Cheyenne in the Cheyenne tribe, Mm -hmm. but he has this mutant ability of creating technology and, and, and creating sort of once there's an idea of something, he can figure out how to do it. There's this really interesting conflict in him between tradition and modernity between sort of ancient ways of knowing and doing things and innovation and, and all of that. And it seems like a a real disservice to the potential of that character to just have him only, only show up to be a mad scientist. But anyway, so that that's, that's it for uh, comics for me. I had one more thing that I wanted to, uh, to talk about with you today. Yeah. Um, get your take on something sort of a conversation topic before I have to go to leave to uh, to get my vaccine shot mm-hmm. so I've been seeing a lot of conversations on social media lately about how like every movie these days has to be a franchise or it's not going to get made and like you know specifically they're talking about Marvel you know DC Star Wars like the superhero boom or like MonsterVerse, not just everything's a shared universe but everything Uh is is part of you know it's a franchise it's a reboot it's a um something that you can make
1: like five movies off of
0: yeah exactly or Mm -hmm. or it's something that draws upon previously established ip there's no like original ideas there's no original you know nothing just like totally fresh and new so like if if you're chloe zhao or you're Ava DuVernay or Taika Waititi or or you're somebody who wants to be the next one of them, you know, and this isn't, so this isn't just like, to, it isn't nobody filmmakers, it's you know, right. anybody who's up and coming or with talent or, or or established with talent you can't just walk up to a studio and say, hey, I want to make a movie you, know, you need to sort of fit it into their existing franchise or their existing narrative in some way in, in order to get your story told I'm wondering, Will, if if you have an opinion on this at all, like, is this something that matters to you? Do you, do you care about this at all? Um, Cause I get the sense that it's just not very important to you. And that's, I'm I'm curious about that as a response. Cause everyone else on the internet has a take.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So I guess, uh, so no, it's it, the end all the end of it is, is, whether you are making a movie that's standalone or a movie that is part of or starts a shared universe. Yeah. I don't really care too much. Sure. What but, I care, but about
0: it doesn't seem like there's much room for standalone movies at all these days. Is the I argument.
1: agree with that. Yeah. Um, I think because, and, and I think it's just like, there's this, I, I feel like there's this trend of people wanting to tell giant stories that are too big for one movie.
0: Mm-hmm. like
1: people who want to tell the next, you know, they've they spent so much time being inspired by whatever that they watch or, or read or whatever. Totally. They're like, they've created a world. Yeah. And they have so many pieces of that world that they want to share.
0: And, you know, that's a great point. Cause I see this in like Indie comic creator, Facebook groups and, and maybe like once a month you get somebody popping in who's like i need an artist for my 100 issue you know superhero (laughs) epic and it's like dude slow your roll
1: yeah and like i get that but um i think it's (sighs) so you and i have talked about how telling the big cosmic story is great as long as you are also telling the micro story. Yeah. Make, make me care about the ground level. If you want me to care about the, the world level. Right. Yeah. So I think there's just getting to be fewer and fewer people that start their concept at the ground level and eventually say, Oh, I could go and tell more. Right. And I feel like, what i would like to see and it i feel like what i'm about to say i feel like could be disrespectful to some movie creators but like <laughs> take unbreakable yeah by uh uh llama Shamalama ding dong yeah yeah he had an idea about that to be this longer thing yeah and it eventually ended up being un- Unbreakable to Split to Glass. And right. some of the scenes- Was that his
0: intention the whole
1: time or did he- Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So some of the scenes he had in Split, he'd written for Unbreakable. Oh, okay. And the character in Split, he originally was going to have as the kidnapper in Unbreakable. Oh. But he ended up taking that part out. Right. And Unbreakable was a great movie for 20 years by itself. Right. Down the line, you ended up coming out with Split, and right, and the very last scene of Split, you get established that it's the same world, right? So, that approach is what I appreciate way more, sure, than, than walking into like Godzilla 2014 and being like, <laughs> Hey, this is gonna be a whole thing,
0: right? Like, yeah, yeah,
1: tell your one story. Yeah. You may have ideas and thoughts of expanding on it. But, I don't want you to in this one story right if if your one story that you've told is good enough, mm-hmm. it should be a standalone thing, and you can come back later if you can, right, but like to say that, I feel like is telling a creator to like stifle themselves
0: to to limit their their scope or their ambition, yeah yeah, and
1: so i i I would never in a boardroom <laughs> go and tell them that right. But that's kind of what I want. I, yeah. like, I I want more stories like Unbreakable. Right. Where you have this pretty well thought out, great story on yeah. its own. Let it be its own legend. Let it be its own thing. It has its own cult following, like its own small little following. Sure, sure. And then you you have an opportunity to tell another story. And you're like, actually, this fits perfectly with what I wanted to do before. Right. Boom, go and do that. Well, I mean, I think the
0: thing though is that the impulse to tell these grandiose stories y- usually doesn't come from the creators. It comes from the studios. They're like, we want to maximize That's the return true. on this. They want, yeah. we want, you know, we, why sell one movie when we can sell one movie that will sell 10 movies?
1: Right. Um, and, and, or and like-
0: in the case of the MCU, like what, 22 movies and counting?
1: I think we're at twenty three. Okay. Um twenty-four. But it feels so I feel like though the exact the the immediate counter to my own point is if you're going to have an ongoing thing, it should be established from the first movie. Mm. I hate the like, <laughs> wow, okay, this look. movie this movie did really good. Let's make a second. Right. As opposed to like because so many movies tell a great story by itself it does really well and then the right. studio's like make more but right like there's no good strands to hold on to to actually go and tell a second story right but there's and, also
0: like a problem yeah. of being like uh, of having too much setup for like like the uh the the amazing spider man two.
1: The second movie of the, so okay so you have your first you know movie, when when really you've got well. the
0: the 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 basement full of future villains that they yeah. tease and they're like yeah. this and this and this and, and this and, and, and that's and then because
1: like, <laughs> they got they got the green light for three sequel movies, a th- but, a, an Amazing Spider-Man three, a Sinister Six, and a Venom movie right. all got green lit in mid production of Amazing Two,
0: right. And, and regardless that was a of whether or not the up. movie was garbage And it was garbage It was and then, so bad And that, that's amazing Two, I know I've told you this Amazing Two is the only movie I've ever seen Where I seriously considered walking out in the middle of it Where I saw it in theaters And it was almost too bad for me To continue watching a movie I'd already paid for
1: It was not good <laughs> It was not a good movie yeah, and and so that's I feel really bad for the second movies in trilogies. Yeah, because it seems to always be in because uh, let's see who I guess I guess Star Wars did it first, but like the there's a the first movie it does really well, and instead of being greenlit for a second movie, they greenlit it for light it for a trilogy. Right. Yeah. And then so the poor director for the second movie. Has to not only tell their own story using the characters established in another movie, they have to leave enough open ends and breadcrumbs for a third movie. Right, then you're which means they can't
0: tell a complete story because you're telling
1: the first part of a two part story. Exactly. Yeah, and that's the part that sucks, and I don't, I can't get on board with that, and so I feel bad for a lot of those kinds of movies. Now, the MonsterVerse is very much, in each of their three movies so far, they've very much told their own stories. Okay. King of the Monsters has nothing to do with anything else going on. It Godzilla. also seems
0: like if you're doing something like, like MonsterVerse, I feel like there's a certain... I haven't seen any of those movies, so I, I don't want to be... I don't want to talk out of place here. But it seems like there's a certain awareness of like, whatever, fuck it. Like, this is... yeah. <laughs> This yeah. is the monster well, version. Yeah. like you, it's you really kind of expect, you. Like, like, yeah, you, you expect high art and like uh fucking auteur storytelling out of uh, a movie about a giant ape punching airplanes. So like, that's get not the fuck say, out of here.
1: That's not to say they don't try
0: <laughs> like the,
1: the uh especially with like the jurassic world movies yeah they're yeah. They are very much trying to be story first um okay. dinosaur second oh. especially w- especially with lost kingdom or okay. the second jurassic world was i'm not really here for it they did some really weird stuff in that second movie the second uh-huh. scrap movie yeah i'm i don't know man <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's it's strange it's strange yeah. um but, uh, yeah, I I don't personally care um, where movie creators go as far as establishing a new universe or telling a one-off story, as long as they're telling a good one-off story. I want sure. to be able, like, for a lot of parts in the MCU, a lot of movies have gotten to the point where you have to see some other ones before it in order for anything to really like make more sense. Right. And that kind of sucks for the newcomer. Yeah. I I would like to see more one-off stories that you could jump in from anywhere.
0: Well, cause it's kind of like the thing with that we talk about with comics where it's like, is this something that we like and recommend because we are personally invested in the soap opera like because right. we care about these characters and the progression and and like the 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 reading of some makes the or the wa- reading or watching of of one movie makes reading or watching the next you know installment more fulfilling, or right. do they actually stand on their own? Yeah,
1: yeah. It's a it's a it's a good question. It's not an easy question.
0: So I've got two sort of different uh different threads of of thought on this and one is kind of on the the topic of the soap opera which is that this this is in a way kind of nothing new about hollywood because the model of hollywood storytelling has kind of always been (laughs) a shared universe with that's just the actors right Mm -hmm. the actors like the and the and the directors and and the studios and it's always been sort of this you know you've got entertainment uh press and gossip uh, and tabloids and they they all kind of combine to make this ecosystem of a soap opera which like the only thing that the mcu and and franchise sort of take over as to this is it is targeting the male demographic as well, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and that this this is, I don't think that imposing the meta story of franchises onto, you know, like, so like, okay. So could James Gunn have made guardians of the galaxy if it wasn't a Marvel movie, right? Could he just walk up to Disney and say, Hey, I want to make a, a space opera comedy with this ragtag bunch of screw-ups and they're not Marvel characters. Like, probably not. He wasn't the the type of filmmaker to that point. You know, he'd he been working in, like, trauma movies and, like, uh-huh. the, the indiest of the indie, like, kind of world. You know, that probably wasn't available to him. Should it have been? Probably. I don't think it, that that movie was made Worse by the fact that it was a Marvel movie, though. I could be totally wrong. And, you know, as I say this, like, I would have loved to see Edgar Wright's Mm Ant-Man. Because I love me some Edgar Wright. And as much as I like the Adam McKay version, like, I think Edgar Wright would have brought a lot more, just something new and weird and different and outside the Marvel house tone to, to a project like that. And he left over creative differences and like, okay, like I can see it. And that's a bummer. Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know. I, I just, so that kind of, so there's the soap opera element of it. And like movies have never stood alone as their own. Most movies have never stood alone as their own piece of art because a, a significant aspect of, you know, whether they are made or whether they're released or who goes to see them or, or what the content of the movie is, is within the context of this actor's next project or this director's next project, or, you know, it's, it's always been this sort of soap opera ecosystem, whether you staple it onto a franchise or not.
1: Yeah. So I guess the, the meat in the middle for me is if you take, a, strictly from like a uh, director's perspective, take a director that did a great addition to an established universe that gives them enough credit or her enough credit to mm-hmm. go and tell a one-off movie in its own kind of thing. And my frame of reference for that is I did I honestly did not know who Taika Waititi was before Ragnarok, right. yeah. And then after Ragnarok. He did Jojo Rabbit. Yeah. And I loved Jojo Rabbit. That movie's
0: fantastic. That movie's really I
1: good. loved it so much. Yeah. The, 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 the storytelling, the screen work, the, 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 the visuals he used. Yeah. It was so good. Yeah. And I don't know if I would have seen it if it wasn't for his work on Ragnarok. Right. Yep. And so given that, that is my go-between. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: if if you can opens take, the do- it opens the door for you yeah to, yeah
1: yeah if you take a james Gunn or a it with td throw them into an established universe and they do a great addition to that universe right i'm more inclined just like john hickman jonathan hickman <laughs> oh, <laughs> or- <laughs> shut up or uh or your buddies Shazinsky. it's cool you could can- <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> or yeah. straczynski on spider-man <laughs> like they did amazing additions to the established 616 universe and now you and want now to go, like, I check everything else out by anywhere else yeah 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 so so like east of west is its own established thing it yeah. is it's it's x comp it's x issues so it's kind of its own sort of established universe right. but it's a it's a one-off brand new idea yep. from a writer that i know because of marvel
0: right yeah so, totally i don't know i
1: i I, there there, there's there's an in between somewhere
0: or then we go and watch sense (laughs) eight yeah man that was a ride
1: that was such a ride (laughs) it wasn't a terrible ride but it wasn't a good ride no
0: it was (laughs) my uh, i've always said my one sentence of a review of sense eight is it it bites off way more than it can chew but at least it's a mouthful right? Oh <laughs> like, I'd rather, I'd rather something fail by trying too much than trying too little.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: So my other, the other sort of thread that I have for this conversation topic is, um, you know, the growing corporate control of all media.
1: <laughs> right. You made a status, uh, you made a Facebook status about this.
0: Yeah, there's sort of an objection to you know marvel and franchises like that sort of taking over or taking over pop culture or making um sort of their headway that you have to conform to their meta-narrative in order to get your own story made that this is sort of an escalation in corporate monoculture basically sort of taking over all of our cultural artistic expression and i feel like if that's, it, it's not like this all started, it, it's not like the corporate control of all media started in like 2008. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and if this is like, if if movies are what you are basing this off of, like the entire history of the medium is built on the studio system, which was like complete studio ownership of directors and actors and other artists and crew and creative people like that the entire medium is, is the history of the entire medium is captured by corporate influences and corporate tastemakers and corporate gatekeepers like you're you're not yes you can find like genuine moving art in the history of cinema but it's not like the corporate control of all media is uh it's not like it flourished in absence of that right and so like if this is your line in the sand of like superhero movies being like no you know this is like the line of of corporate control that we can't cross and like l- like I'm sympathetic to this like yes I think that there should not be mo- corporate monoculture like I want other worlds and other stories and, and to exist and and reach people independent of like uh of moneyed interests who represent interests of power and interests of of the status quo Uh, and that this is, this is very much a political thing for me, but like, if this is your line in the sand, then I just don't understand (laughs) why it's here and why it's in movies. Like, uh, the difference really is just aesthetics, right? It's not ethics. Mm -hmm. There's once upon a time, like indie wasn't just like a genre that described how something looked or how it sounded. It, It meant that you handled all your production and your distribution Without the help of moneyed interest and cor- corporate gatekeepers, and, and you can make your art your own way. But like, it's like how like indie rock used to mean independently made rock and roll music, and then over the years became Arcade Fire and Mumford and Sons, like produced by big name producers in in corporate owned record labels and studios, and it's just it's just an aesthetic. And aesthetics can be bought. It's not an ethic anymore. It it became about like subcultural differentiation and aesthetic, like looking to look cool to people and and not about trying to create a separate sort of tradition or, you know, space for different stories or different types of, of, um, of art to be made. So i don't know that's why i like comics is because like clearly nobody gives a shit <laughs> yeah not yet <laughs> like like even 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 though all of these comics stories are being mined for their ip uh and adapted into film and tv like if you work in marvel and dc like the chances are you know the, with the way that they over publish based on their market like no one's no one's actually gonna read your shit and like in in indie in indie comics doubly so but at least comics are are cheap enough to make that you can just make a lot of it and tell whatever kind of story that you want like if you're working with a with a big two publisher like i think you have because it's cheap and it's overpublished you have way more leeway to tell a weird and original and creative story that that uh, is sort of your own piece of of work than um, than you would making a movie, and uh, you know if you're making indie comics, especially so, you know, yeah, like there's yeah. the in in comics there's the aesthetic pressure from like tastemakers and gatekeepers is going to be way smaller because <laughs> there's no actual success or fortune that you're being gate kept out of right <laughs>
1: that's true that's
0: true so yeah that kind of leads to my other hot take that uh that the the only reason superhero movies are are so successful right now is because of mainstream comics is shitty labor history but that's a topic for another day <sighs> all right well oh I, boy i need to go get a vaccine and uh you've got to go as well so we can yes, wrap sir. it up here Uh, anything you'd like to say to our friends and family in the etherverse before we head on out
1: no uh go check out superhero ethics but don't forget about us and (laughs) um can't wait to see you guys next week
0: all right man take it take it easy and i can't wait to talk to you soon
1: absolutely uh we'll throw the outro music okay take it easy